Hey, go ahead and grab your Bibles. Hopefully uh, you got one. If you don't have one, we'll bring one to you. Not. Okay, find your own Bible. Get, get an app, whatever it might be. That's just something we always say here at the church. We're going to bring it to you. I guess we can't. If you really need a Bible at your house, uh, let us know. We'll, we'll drop one off. Might bring you some toilet paper too. John chapter 15. Turn to John chapter 15. And uh, on John chapter 15, in the previous chapter is where we were last week. And if you remember John 14, this in the previous chapter 13, they're in the upper room. And uh, Jesus was with his disciples. A lot happened in that upper room. Uh, there was a foot washing. There was a great teaching moment, the sharing of the Passover meal. Uh, they had their supper together, that last supper, as we called it, right? Uh, Jesus consoles his disciples. They're, they're pretty stressed out. Uh, they're a little fearful, and he gives them some peace. And at the conclusion of all that, in John chapter 14, Jesus says, come now, let's leave together. So we get the impression that they're leaving that upper room, and it's assumed that they leave and they head towards the Garden of Gethsemane, where uh, eventually we're going to see the next big thing unfold. But there's some teaching that goes on in between, so we're not sure if they were walking and talking, or what was going on, or whether they lingered there in the room for a little bit. Uh, but we assume that they started to leave and, and walk outside. And as they walked outside, they could have very easily passed the temple. And on the temple, there's this great golden vine that decorated the door to the holy place of the temple. And as they walked, they probably would have passed walls that were covered in vines, which was typical in that day. Vines were visible everywhere in Judea. So what Jesus is about to say in John 15 was very familiar not only to his readers, but to his disciples who were talking and walking with him. No explanation about vines or branches were really needed. It's not like Jesus said, let me explain this to you, why I'm talking about They're They're probably seeing it as they're walking. So let's read together in John chapter 15. I'm going to start in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 11. And I'm actually going to read from a different translation this week. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. And I'll explain later why I'm reading from that um, that translation. Verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. And I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and in my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You know, as I said, when Jesus is, is walking and talking with his disciples, those in ancient times, those that were there, immediately know what he's talking about. Matter of fact, the Old Testament, Israel, 
was called God's vine. There's some scripture, three different scriptures I'll point to real quick. One is Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 and 7. Let me read those verses to you. Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower, and he carved a winepress in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. Verse 7 says, The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. Jeremiah 2.21 says, But I was the one who planted you, choosing a vine of the pure stock, the very best. How did you grow into this corrupt wild vine? Now, unfortunately, most of the references we find in the Old Testament that refer to Israel being a vine are negative. There, there, there's never anything there that says they produced fruit. They failed to produce fruit. And it wasn't just the Old Testament where we get a glimpse of this relationship between the gardener and the vine and the branches. We find this in the New Testament as well. Matter of fact, this took place just a couple of days prior to Jesus talking with the disciples. They're walking back into Jerusalem. Now he came riding in on the donkey. Remember that? They threw the palm branches down. Jesus went into the temple, cleared the temple. Then he left, went to Bethany. And then on the way back into town, he sees this fig tree and there's no fruit on it. Let me read this to you. Matthew chapter 21, verse 18. In the morning as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry. And he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. Jesus expected fruit from this tree. Jesus expected fruit from the religious leaders. Jesus expected fruit from us. But instead, like with this fig tree, there's nothing. So he cursed it. Right? The disciples knew what Jesus was talking about then in this passage, John 15, when he says, God is the vine presser. He is the, he's the gardener. He's the one that's taking care of the garden, right? And he says, he's the one that's overseeing. Then Jesus says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. I, I'm the vine. I'm the one that, that what Israel was not, I am. And you are the branches. You are the ones that are going to bear fruit. So as we read this, Let's remember, and I mentioned this last week, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to those who believe. So if you are a believer in Christ, this message is for you. Jesus was talking to those who believe. He was talking to those who follow. To those who believe and follow and, and bear fruit. And, and I know this is hard to believe, but there are Christians who believe. But there's little evidence of their belief. Hard for me to fathom, right? And maybe that's why Jesus addresses this whole subject here in John 15. See, we were created to be in a vibrant, growing relationship with God. That, that's what we were created for. And when we're not, I believe it's disappointing to God. Jesus said in verse 4, look at it. As the branch cannot, what? Bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5 says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that what? Bears much fruit. See, we're reminded here that a branch 
has a purpose, and that is to produce fruit, to bear fruit. That's, that's the purpose of the branch. What is the fruit of the believer? It's what flows out of our life. If we're the branch, the fruit is what's demonstrated. It's what people see. You can see my fruit. You can see what I am trying to live out because of my beliefs. So when we look at Jesus, look at his inner condition. Look at his character. Look at his attributes. That which is true about him. Whatever you see in Jesus, that should be demonstrated in us as well. We're to bear fruit. We're supposed to be what he is like, who he is. Let me help you out on this one. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It's a great passage. Matter of fact, I know uh, Greg Burkholder and uh, Pastor Dave work with their, our uh, kids on Wednesday night with the older elementary kids. I believe this is some of the verses that they were learning. And, uh, and if they learned them, they, I don't know, they probably got a ring pop or something. I don't know. Anyway, uh, actually they got a nice little um, package of candy or something, a bag, a little goodie bag. But they have been working with them and encouraging them memorize this verse memorize it so hey if our kids can do it we can do it too right so check it out galatians 5 22 23 paul's sharing with us basically he's saying whatever is true of god whatever is true of jesus whatever is true of the holy spirit that should be true of us that's these things that are in them that resides in them resides in us and what does that look like galatians 5 22 and 23 says but the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things, the fruit that should be displayed in the life of every believer. Romans chapter 6, Paul said this. He goes, we were once slaves to sin. We were once slaves to sin. But now we're free. We're not just free. We're free to the what? To serve free thanks for the power of god to now serve god and we can now do these righteous things this is what paul talks about in romans 6 so if you're a believer in jesus christ we are created we have purpose to bear fruit to produce fruit what fruit love joy peace patience kindness right that's what we're just we're looking at so here's what i'm going to do i'm going to pause for a second Get a piece of paper, get a pencil or something if you want. And you don't have to do this. I guess you don't have to do it right now. You can do this as a family later just uh, or do it by yourself. But I want you to evaluate. So what you can do is you can put like love, then joy, then peace, and then patience. And then right after the word love, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 like I have no love at all in me, or 10 I am gushing with love, evaluate yourself. Where are you at on a scale of 1 to 10? Now, I'm, I, I did this the other day because I'm going through thinking, okay, if I'm going to preach it, i got to live it, right? So I went through, it's like love. Okay, how am I doing with love? I think I'm pretty good with showing love. But until somebody does something mean or somebody does something stupid, then my love factor goes down. And it's like I'm not as loving probably as I should be. So that number wasn't very high. Okay, so I went to joy, okay? Hey, the boys just moved back home. So it's nice, man, the family's back. And so it's all their stuff. And the basement's a mess. And the kitchen's a mess. My Joy factor, love my family, but my joy factor, sort of roller coaster rides, okay? Peace. Have you watched the news lately? I mean, fears like looking at that red map. They show the red map of the United States. It's like, it's all red. I wish they would just take the little dots where people are infected, and it wouldn't look so bad. But I'm looking at it, and it's like my peace has been robbed, 
Okay, I'm a little stressed out. Last week, I can't tell you how many multiple calls and Zoom calls I was on um, dealing with ministry. And it was like, peace. Okay, that was a low number. Patience. Patience. Uh, let me think about that. Have you tried shopping lately? Have you tried to find any toilet paper lately? I even stopped on the way here today to like pick some stuff up. I'm like, yep, still no toilet paper. Patience. Uh, okay. I don't know about you, but my numbers aren't exactly skyrocketing right now as far as it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, some of my fruit's looking a little moldy, looking a little unpleasant. Do you ever go to your kitchen uh, cupboard or maybe you have it sitting out like we do on, a, on, a, on the, on the uh, cupboard there and there's, there's the bananas? Do you ever have those bananas like in the summer that get black and they get the little gnats flying around them? Do you ever feel like that way as a Christian that some of our fruit looks that way? This is not very appealing. Don't want to eat it, right? I'll pass. Thanks, right? Listen, church, we are designed. We are created. We are fashioned to bear fruit within. And that gets outwardly expressed. Our fruitful living is on display and it reflects our Savior. It better not be moldy. It better not be nasty, right? We were created to bear fruit outwardly. And that includes not just love, joy, peace, patience, and all the things I just listed, but it also fruit is displayed in how I give, my generosity, my sharing my faith. My, my fruit is displayed when I serve others. Am I displaying the fruit of God, of, of righteousness? So what do we do? What do we do? We try harder, right? Uh, I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to show more joy this week. Uh, it's like starting a diet. I'll start tomorrow, right? Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Here, let's check this out. What, what, is, what is the command in this passage? Here's why I think we get hung up on it. Maybe we misread this or think it through. It's like the command is to bear more fruit. No, it isn't. I mean, when I sat down and finally read through this passage over and over years ago and it's like i gotta bear more fruit i gotta be more loving i gotta be more kind that's not the command the command here is what it's not to bear fruit he doesn't say thou shalt bear fruit a branch can't bear fruit by itself on its own effort what's the what's the command i already, I already put the word up there take a peek right okay what is it it was repeated like seven or eight times in this passage the word is abide, abide. It, it's, it's obvious, abide. Now, the reason I read from the ESV today, and I told you I was reading from a different translation, usually on Sunday mornings when I read, I read out of the New Living Translation. That's why I didn't open up my Bible, because it's a New Living Translation. But as I, as I said, I study in multiple translations. I look up the Greek, I look up the Hebrew, I'll see what the word means, how does it fit, how is it, uh, what's the context of the word, and I look at these different translations. But in uh, NLT, the New Living Translation, the word in John 15 is remain. That's not a great translation. ESV has it better. It's abide. See, remain sounds stagnant. It sounds dead. It's like um, when somebody passes away, we say what? Well, they just buried their what? Remains, right? Um, there's nothing stagnant about having a relationship with God. Abide sounds better. It means to dwell. It means to make it your home. And the command here is to abide in Jesus, to abide in a relationship with Jesus, to dwell with him. And so that his life and his work is producing fruit in our lives. 
we must have a relationship is what I'm getting at here, okay? Let me, let me help you out with this. Okay, so, quick quiz. No puppets today, sorry. Got something else. Uh, what, what do we have here? Anybody? Good, yes. Power cord, extension cord. Excellent. So, we've got a power cord. We've got an extension cord here. And um, this was created for basically one purpose. Now, it has multiple things we could do with it, right? Uh, I could use it for many purposes. I could use it like a, a rope if I wanted to, to hold things in place. I could use it as a whip. I could uh, lasso somebody with it if I wanted to. If I was a little kid, I'd probably dangle it down and pretend I was playing with it like it was my I'm climbing up. I don't know. It, but it's designed really for one main purpose, and that's to transport, to, to send power from one place to another place. Right? So what I do is I take the, the one end and I plug it into the power source. Right? And then I take the other end to that which needs power, which needs help, and it receives the power from the power source. Pretty simple, right? We're like this power cord, this extension cord. See, we have value. We were created with purpose to be in a relationship with God. We were created to reflect him. Look at uh, verse 8. By this, my father is glorified. God's glorified when we bear much fruit and we prove to be his disciples. When we bear fruit, when we let the power of God work through us and send it out, he is glorified. There's proof that we have a relationship with him. We were created to bear fruit. Right? But we can't bear fruit if we're not connected. And if we're not in a relationship with Him, there's not going to be any power. That's why it's so important to abide in Him so that we can display and well, first so that we can grow in that fruit and then display that fruit. Look at verse 3. You've already been pruned and purified by the message that I've given you, you're already clean. Jesus and you're, you're already a follower of mine. You've been cleansed. You've been made righteous with God. You've been right before him. You've been, you are plugged in. Again, Jesus is talking to believers here. We are already attached. We are already plugged in. We start by spiritually getting right with God. So he says, you're already clean. And here's the cool thing. You can't clean yourself. God does that. He cleans us up. He cleaned us up, right? So we're, we're plugged in. He's the power source. Now, here's the thing. We got to stay. Let me grab it again. We got to stay plugged in. Our problem is, we like, we plug into Jesus on Sunday and we unplug the rest of the week. We plug in on a Wednesday night and then we unplug the rest of the week. We're not abiding in Him. We start, as I said, by abiding in Him. So the question becomes then, how do we abide? If the command is to abide, how do we do it? Simply answer, let me help you with this one, okay? If it increases your affection for him, do it. If it diminishes your affection for him, don't do it. Think about that, okay? Let me give you some practical ways to abide. First of all, a simple one. Get in God's word. Open up the Bible. There are so many apps out there right now. It's almost overwhelming, you know, when you're on your, on your phone. You know, maybe skip the apps and just actually open up the Bible and turn pages. 
I know it's a little bit slower. It's a little bit more tedious, right? There's nothing like hearing those pages turn and underlining them and being able to write in your Bible. Start in the book of John. Read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Go into the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. Book of Proverbs, a lot of wisdom there. This past week, we emailed out to everyone in church. It is like a 30-day reading plan for kids. And you could click on it, and there was like activity pages you could print out as well. Uh, it's, it's a great resource. Here's another way to abide. Prayer. Keep the communication line open with God. Talk to Him, but don't just talk to Him in prayer. Sit and listen. I tend to get very fidgety when I pray. And sometimes I have a hard time focusing. So your prayer time might be like mine. Maybe you start praying and then you start reading in the Bible and then you see something and you go and you start praying again and you start reflecting on what you just prayed. Um, Sing. Listen to songs. Allow God to speak through music. We've again, we've played out some songs out there maybe for you to listen to. There's so many great songs, books, read, read some books. Start with God's word first but then there's other books you can read share some of those with other people and here's the big one hang around the right people hang around the right people people who help you grow in your affection to god again if these things help you love god more if they help increase your affection for him then then do those things and avoid the things that diminish your love for god And, and let me give you a list of those things again these things can pull us away from God. I'm not saying they're sinful, okay? Just listen to me. I'm not saying, these are sin. Don't do them. Okay, I'm saying, if these things pull you away from God, then maybe you need to pull back away from these things. For instance, TV, watching movies. Uh, a lot of you are on net, doing Netflix, like, okay? Nothing wrong with those things, but if, if they are diminishing your relationship with God, then maybe you need to take a break from them. How about the wrong music? How about sports? Uh, various hobbies, golf, fishing, art, music, dance. Nothing wrong with any of those. But if they become the replacement to your relationship with God, maybe you need to pull back from those things. How about your work? Sometimes we get so caught up in work, there's not enough time for God. How about social media? Uh, again, nothing wrong with those things unless they're pulling you away from God. What increases your love for Jesus? What decreases your love for Jesus? Take time to answer that. Be real. Again, if if this matters to you, I want to produce fruit. Okay, you want to produce fruit? You got to abide. And if you're not abiding, you're not growing. When somebody offends you, do you like hanging around them? Just think about that. Now, Now look at verse 10. Here's another way we can abide in Jesus, and that's by obeying his word. Verse 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Like I said, when somebody offends you, do you like hanging around them? No, absolutely not, right? When you ask somebody to do something and they don't do it, instead they just make excuses or they don't listen to what you just asked them to do, it annoys you, doesn't it? You're sort of like... I just asked them to do this, and they won't do it. Oh, it's so annoying. And then your relationship with them sort of gets like splintered, right? Think about this. God commands us. He he says, do this. A lot of times in the Bible, he gives us things to do. And when we don't do them, 
what happens? It probably annoys God. And our relationship with him splinters, right? When we disobey God's commands, it offends him. And when we offend God, he probably doesn't want to hang around with us, right? Disobedience is sin. Sin offends God. Which then results in what? Distancing ourselves from God. Sin always separates us from God. Sin always drives a wedge between us and God. Abiding is obeying God. Simply put, stop sinning. You want to abide in your relationship with God? Stop sinning. As we abide, we eventually bear fruit. Listen, this takes time. Uh, I was reading that a vine needs to be cultivated at least three years before being allowed to produce fruit. Think about that. It gets cut, it gets trimmed, allows it to grow. Then they cut it and trim it some more, and they allow it to grow. And they cut it and trim it some more, and they allow it to grow. It could be three years before they allow it to produce fruit. How long was Jesus with his disciples in teaching and relationship? Three years, right? Sort of crazy, right? After that, the divine vine, so to say, had given his branches all they needed. And they started to bear fruit, didn't they? I'm not saying that it's going to take us three years to develop the fruit that needs to be displayed. What I'm saying is, thanks to the power of the Holy Spirit, He can produce fruit in you right now. And for many of you, the, the fruit of God is seen every day, right? But there's some things, and I'm going to say this, that might surprise us, or I should say don't be surprised, if you struggle with showing patience, I'm not a very patient person. I'm not very gentle. My peace is all over the place. Hey, give it time. Give it time. The more you abide, the greater the fruit. Abiding is a command. It's not a declaration. It's not a proclamation. It is a command. We're living at a time when we want peace, don't we? We want to show love, Right? And we want to be more joyful. But it is so challenging, isn't it? It's so challenging to be patient with people and joyful when you've got so much negativity just flowing all around us right now in this world. But it's not about being more. I want to be more joyful. I want to be more patient. It's not about more. It's about abiding in Jesus so that he will produce more in us. Let's get that right. So let's wrap this up, okay? So when you abide, you bear fruit. You're doing what you're created to do. When you abide, here's the other thing. You're going to experience some pruning. And some of you are like, you skipped right all over that in verse 2. I know, I know. I'm coming back to it. Because I want you to understand this. Pruning is not just cutting away that which is dead. But when you prune the vine, like with the grapes, you actually lift up the grapes off of the ground. They're not like pumpkin or squash that grows on the ground. They need to be lifted up. So this word pruning in Greek actually means to lift up. It's lifting it up off the ground up to a position that it can grow better. And it also means to be cleansed, to wash off the moss, the dirt, the insects, clean off it so that it will grow better. That's what this, this pruning process is getting at. And, and right now there's that pruning we would call maybe trials and tribulations and troubles, tough times, right? That could be a pruning of God. Remember, God has a plan. And this plan may include pruning. It might be a cutting off. It might be a cleaning up. So that greater things can happen. That's what pruning does. Pruning allows more fruit to be produced. A healthier fruit to be produced. You know, I've, I've wondered. Okay, so let's, let's think about this. I've, I've wondered. And I'm sure you have too. 
this whole COVID-19, the coronavirus-19, could this be a possible pruning by God? I don't know. Everybody's got their opinions, right? But have we been living beyond our wealth? Are we living a lifestyle that is so overtopped that maybe we need to cut back some and learn to cut back? I don't know. Are we, are we living and chasing after false gods, whether it be a, whole, a hobby, a sport? Um, could it be art? Could it be work? Could it be money? Could it be people? Have we been chasing after other things that have become false gods in our lives? And now, especially like sport, what I, I can only watch so many reruns, and I can't watch a ball game that was played two years ago. I just, I'm not that kind of person, right? And my boys who play sports or suddenly can't play sports anymore. Has sport become a God in my life? And God said, that's enough. You need to make me your God and not sport. I don't know. Could that be a pruning of God? Are we too busy that we fail to get quiet with God? I'm, just, I'm always running from one place to the next. And God says, I want you. I want you. And it's like, I, I, okay, God, maybe in five minutes. Now he's got all of me all day long. Could it be a pruning? I don't know. Could God be saying it's time to clean up this world? You know, I was, I was reading something from uh, Andrew Murray, and I want to read this to you, and it's, it sort of amazed me. It says this, Our hearts are continually prone to wander from God. Prosperity and enjoyment all too easily satisfy us, dull our spiritual perception, and make us unfit for communion with God. It is an unspeakable mercy that the Father comes with his affliction and makes the world around us dark and unattractive. This leads us to feel more deeply our sinfulness. And for a time, we lose our joy in what was becoming so threatening to our spiritual life. He does this in the hope that when we have found our rest in Christ, in time of trouble, we will learn to choose abiding Him as our best option. Then when the affliction is removed, His hope for us is that we have grown firmly in Him so that in prosperity, He will still be our joy. Just found some comfort in reading that. You know, when we abide and we bear fruit and we experience the pruning, according to verse 7, we receive answers to prayer as well. Finally, when we abide, we experience God's joy. You know, last week we talked about how Jesus said, I'm giving you peace, a peace that you don't understand, a peace that the world can't give. I'm giving you my peace. Now listen very carefully, church. When we abide in him, he also gives us something else. His joy. Do you ever wonder what it's like to see Jesus laugh? To hear the laughter of God? The joy that they experience? He says, I want to give you that. I want to give you my joy. Verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. God wants us to be fruitful. Today we want more joy, more peace, more love, more patience. And we think we can just try harder at those things. I'm going to be more patient with my kids over the next few weeks, right? I'm going to try harder to be more joyful and not complain. As I said before, good luck with that. The command is to abide, not be joyful. And when we abide, when we get plugged in, God's word, God's spirit shows us and produces in us more joy. The initial question has to come up again. Are you connected? Do you have a relationship with Him? If you're listening and it's like, I don't have a relationship with God, 
we're going to pause right now. I'm going to ask you to pray. Just right where you're at. You don't even have to close your eyes. I won't close mine. Okay. And here's a prayer I want you to pray. First of all, I want you to admit to God that you mess up. Just go ahead and talk to him. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm somebody who makes mistakes. Go ahead and pray that. Admit to him your sins. Go ahead and confess your sins. I confess, God, that I'm full of pride, that I've cheated, that I'm mean to people, that I've let you down. God, I believe in you. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me, to take these sins and to get rid of them. God, I believe that you can clean me up. Clean me up, God. And God, not only am I asking you to save me, but I want you to be my Lord. Help me to live for you. God, I want to abide in you. I want more joy. I want more peace. I want more patience. I want more, but I need you to abide in me. Right now, where you're at, just pray that. Listen, it's not so much about the prayer and repeating these words. It's about the condition of your heart. Be real with them. If you have a relationship with God, are you abiding with Him? Yet to all who have received Him, to those who believe on His name, He gave the right to be called children of God. As a child of God, are you abiding in Him? Are you spending time with Him? Listen, the Holy Spirit's entered your life. Now it's up to you and I to maintain that relationship with Him. We must expose ourselves to the Word of God. Listen, no word, no life. It's really simple. We can't be satisfied with just being saved. A lot of us are that way. Well, I'm saved. That's good. No, no, no. We must bear fruit. We must bear fruit. It's like, you know, it's like somebody saying, hey, I want to be on the football team, but I just want to stand on the sideline. Are you kidding me? I'd want to get in the game. It's like me saying, hey, I've got a guitar, but I'm not going to strum it. Or I'm going to get in, I'm going to get in the drum tank, but I'm not going to pick up the sticks. Or I, I'm going to I'm going to stand up at the choir, but I'm not going to move my lips. Are you kidding me? Get in the game. Get in the song. If you have Christ in you, as a believer in Christ, you should desire more fruit. Desire to get in the game, right? Remember, Jesus has given us His Holy Spirit so we can be just like Him. I want to pray, and we're going to sing one more song. So let's pray, Heavenly Father. What an amazing God you are. I thank you, Lord, for this command and the, your words as, as, your, as your son Jesus is walking with his disciples and they probably see these vines and he's explaining to them about how you are the vine dresser and he is the vine and we are the branches. We're, we're, we're taught here, Lord, as believers that we are to abide in you. Fruit is awesome. It's great. But what kind of fruit are we bearing I don't want shriveled up grapes. I don't want sour apples. I don't want blackened bananas. I want fresh, plump, juicy fruits. And God, I believe you want the same from us. You don't want us just with a little bit of joy and a little bit of patience and the sour love. You want us to be plump and ripe and juicy with love and peace and patience. So God, help us to abide in you. Help us to get quiet with you. That's the command. 
God, if we're not following your command, you're probably pretty upset with us. So God, forgive us for when we have failed to follow this command. Let us get it right today and tomorrow and the next day after that. God, we can do this because your spirit's in us. Help us abide in you, Lord. We love you. In thy name we pray. Amen.